The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show. We've cracked the glass. It is emergency podcast time. Scott Parker has departed Fulham FC and as promised, we are back to record our reaction to the news. And I am joined today by a man who has renewed his contract for next season, Fulham writer for The Athletic, Peter Rutzler. Peter, how are you doing? Very good, Sammy. Very good. How are you? Fine, thank you. And we've dragged him kicking and screaming from international football back to the club scenes. Mr. Jack Collins, how you doing, Jack? Hello, Sammy. I'm a little bit tired. I stayed up till 3.30 watching the Copa America. Um, and, and now Ooh. I'm here. So here we are. 9am, on job. I thought I'd had a late one editing another podcast last night, which um, I really could have done without penalties in the France-Switzerland game, if I'm being truly honest. But um, well, it's been a wonderful tw- year of 2020. I'm sure we'll come on to it. Um, but first, let's get on to Scott Parker. And just to say that if you want to read all the analysis on Scott Parker's departure from Fulham, then head to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. And right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for £1 a week. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Uh, and Peter, you've had a piece that was released yesterday. It's been sat in your drafts for about a month and a half now. I imagine you're just happy to hit send. It's ruined my time off. I had a bit of time off last week and it's just been sort of sitting there waiting for this to happen, hoping it would happen, hearing things that it might happen and it might not. But yeah, it's, uh, it was glad to finally hit publish on that one, um, outlining what, what's happened. And, uh, I think, I think like most people just glad that what has been quite an underwhelming saga has has now come to a conclusion. And it's all about now finding a replacement as quickly as possible, especially with the players already back. Uh, I mean, Jack, this is the least shocking news of the summer. Um, Peter called it back in April that Bournemouth were very, very interested. And, and even maybe before that, he'd kind of hinted at it. That the way it's been so protracted to me, it, it leaves a bit a bitter taste in the mouth. I think I will in time think of Scott Parker mostly as a success at Fulham for what he did, getting us promoted, beating Brentford at Wembley. But... <sighs> It, 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 it stings right now just the way it was so protracted and obviously it was so clearly about money and every side wanted to have their cake and eat it I felt like Fulham actually did get shafted a little bit at times yeah you know I, f- I know how Charlton fans felt all those years ago right yeah I know why Charlton <laughs> I know why Charlton fans didn't give Scott Parker a good reception back at the Valley when we played them there you know a couple of years back it's it was very protracted. It was very uncomfortable at times. You know, the, the fact that it was very much, I want my cake and I want to eat it. You know, I want my compensation from Fulham and I want to go and walk into another job without them having to pay for it. It, it just felt like a really weird maneuver from a personal standpoint. And and this is where I think things go down badly, right? You know, that there, there is one, there's a sense, I think, that, if if you if you really do love and care about the club in the way that Scott Parker professed to, you don't walk away like this, right? You you don't end it on terms that are so incredibly 
drawn out, so incredibly difficult for everybody to move forward from. Now, look, we're not sure of the exact details of any of it, and I hesitate to to, to fully go in on something that everybody doesn't know the exact things. I think we know the, the kind of broad strokes of this. Um, but it does feel like uh, an exit that could have been managed better if there was genuinely communication within the club and look that goes for Scott that goes for for for, for perspective as well it just all feels like it's gone badly and like you say it leaves a sour taste I mean Peter you've talked about the Parker to Bournemouth links I'm not gonna lie when you first mentioned that Bournemouth were interested in Parker I did just think all right yeah we know we get it Peter you used to work at Bournemouth <laughs> I genuinely thought that was the only reason that you kind of like maybe had an inkling like someone at the club had said to you, oh yeah, I like Scott Parker. Um, lo and behold, you were uh, <laughs> a lot more correct. I mean, some in the trade are calling it the reverse rustler that um, that Parker has done. The, 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 the interest is genuine though. They've wanted him for a long time, going back years. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he's done it the wrong way around, to be honest. You're supposed to come up from the South Coast, not go down to it, of course. Very nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it has, it has been longstanding. Um, I think uh, Oliver Kay uh, uh, wrote for The Athletic that, you know, Bournemouth had looked at had looked at Parker since his days at, at Tottenham in their academy. Now, that's quite a long way back for them to be to be looking. But they've they've seen Scott Parker as someone who can fit the mould that Eddie Howe left build a project, build a team to build them back up. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it was strange. I think when Eddie Howe left last summer, um, and was, we were scrap, I was scrapping around, you know, trying to find out who's going to replace, replace him, how are they going to do things? What would, what would Eddie Howe do? Scott Parker's name was, was mentioned then. And I, I found that to be very strange because that was straight before the playoff final. And, and obviously that was quickly put paid once Fulham had gone up. There's no way he'd, he'd walk away with the team in, in the Premier League. But they never went away, those those rumours. So when Jason Tindall was sacked, uh, I think it was David Ornstein then reported, oh yeah, Scott Parker again is is in the thinking, but not not plausible at that point. I think that was just coming into a good period for Fulham. And, um, why, and you know, he's not going to step down a, a league at that point. Uh, but it never really went away. Um, they've For them, he's their first choice. He's been that sort of character that can take on the, the Hal Mantle. They, they had a really difficult season last year. Tyndall um, didn't work. I think owner Maxim Demon realised he'd sort of made a mistake by appointing him. Um, Jonathan Woodgate, to his credit, did a very good job, really. Rallied the team, got them into the playoffs. Obviously, they missed out losing to Brentford, um, doing, doing Fulham a disservice there. Um, but in general, he's, he's warm to the supporters. He's done, he'd done a, a decent job. And it's a, it's a shame for him, really, that, you know, obviously his contract's expired, will expire once, the, once June's over and he will leave. Um, but for Bournemouth, they always had eyes on on Parker, and and, and evidently that was reciprocated. Um, you know, and, and as Jack sort of alluded to there, it is it does feel quite unsavoury. Um, I think Scott Parker raised some relevant grievances. I think the the things he has mentioned in terms of recruitment and structure, and he's, he's not been subtle about it. Almost dropping little bits to to the press over the weeks, and that obviously led to a reaction that we we talked about before the season was over. Um, from from Shahid Khan, and I think Shahid Khan's um, quote <laughs> in the goodbye statement sort of reflects how Parker is now sort of viewed. I don't. There was no thanks for his service. It was. He's I mean, not going to get invited back to the yacht, is he? He's not no, coming back no, for any of his parties. So. <laughs> he's not going in that infinity pool on the Riverside Stand anytime, anytime <laughs> soon. Um, so, um, 
but yeah, I mean, it all became very, very sour. And clearly, you know, those overtures from Bournemouth were appealing. And I, I think Jack's right. I think the way this was sort of handled from, in my own opinion, is, is very strange. The idea that he could just resign from Fulham and then go to Bournemouth, um, which is which is how it's been presented, but that's not how it's worked out because it, it's just not plausible. Um, he had two years left on his Fulham contract. My understanding is, and I know Fulham have put out that it was mutual, com- uh, mutual consent, uh, mutual termination, sorry. Um, and I'm sure there will be an element of that, but my understanding is Bournemouth have paid some compensation, small compensation, but the idea that, you know, Fulham would then pay some kind of severance to Parker for him to go to, to Bournemouth was just entirely intolerable. And that's why it's taken so long, really. That and also last week trying to just iron out the details for his staff. You know, there's been big staff turnover both at Bournemouth and now at Fulham as well. Uh, with Alistair Harris, who's been at the club for 11 years. That. Yeah, Ali Harris leaving feels, feels rough. He's been there a long, long time. He has, he has. and But he's he's formed a really close bond with the, the group that Parker had built at Tottenham. So Matt Wells is his assistant, Rob Birch, goalkeeper coach, uh, Jonathan Hill, first team analyst. Um, those guys, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they live in each other's shoes, really. So they were always going to go together and, and Ali Harris has, has gone too and, and Charlie Moore uh, as well. So... Um, that that all contributed, but the, the whole nature of it has been it was complicated for one, but at the same time it's it, <clears throat> at the same time it's you know it's, it's it's it is unsavory and it has put Fulham in a sticky spot. And I know I know there is frustration that it's taking so long, but I do I do have some sympathy about how this has all panned out. But I mean Fulham, you know, as as we wrote at the end of the season, they wanted Parker to be in charge. Um, there was some discord there. I, I mean, it, I don't know how it would have worked, particularly with some players being unhappy, but. Um, you know that it's, it's now it's all about getting someone in as soon as possible. I mean, Jack, it's uh, very apt, and some people have made this joke already. So I'm not the first that uh, it, it's a sideways pass from Parker, a sideways move. Yeah, um, some, I enjoyed the uh, the reference yesterday. Someone said it's taken so long because uh, in order to get to Bournemouth, he had to pass it around the entirety of the northeast of England before he got to the south coast. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, look, it's one of those, isn't it? And look, look, we'll see. I guess this is this is the test now that the, the litmus test of all of it. We 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 can we can kind of theorize all we like, and and we can we can make a point. But, but Scott Parker is going to a squad that's probably slightly worse, I would suggest, than than Fulham's in Championship terms, but not huge amounts worse. Whether they invest or not now will, will determine whether that squad is 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 a similar level, is a slightly better level by the time the season starts, etc. And now we see if, if if Scott Parker is a good manager who can tactically get himself out of this division or if he is someone who had a really good bond with a group of players and Alexander Mitrovic scoring 30-odd goals. Um, so, so, so that's where we're left. You know, you, I think it's all... There's, there's plenty to look at with Scott Parker. And if he takes Bournemouth up as champions in 100 points, then we're going to look back at this and be like, that was a mistake, right? And, and if, he, if he takes them to eighth and, and misses out on the playoffs with three games to go, we're going to say, dodged a bullet. So... We we have this kind of moment now where we've got to you know look at look at all of it and obviously digest it and take it in and and and, and try and analyze as best we can about what what's happened here with Parker, um, but also we get to a point where we go right that's happened we have to kind of look at that in the cold light of day based on results and and that will come throughout the season and I'm sure with two ex managers in different clubs in this division, we're going to be doing a lot of looking around the table and being like, mm, are we going better than Bournemouth? Are we, are we underneath Sheffield United? You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of it. We've got to, but we do need to now 
You know, we, we were already too late in appointing a manager. We're already too late in getting our transfers off the ground. We're already too late in all of these things, right? We've got, we've now got to recruit an entire backroom staff as well. We should approach Nuno. He seems to want to bring 15 play, people with him every day, everywhere he goes, which is the reason that nobody will appoint him. Um, but it is, it's one of those that you now look at it and you go, there's a lot of work to do and the season starts relatively quickly. Yes, we're all tied up in international football. We're all loving the Euros, the Copper, et cetera, et cetera. The, the club can't be. The club can't be. The club needs to get on with this because pre-season started yesterday. Stuart Gray's currently in charge of it. We've made no transfers. No, we've done, there's no there's no real links coming out of Fulham at this point because why would there be without a manager at the helm in order to decide which kind of direction those links are going in? And suddenly you're like, right, okay, we need to get on with this. And, and it's all well and good that these these negotiations took too long, but we are where we are. And, and at this point, we really do need to get moving, get the wheels turning. And, and start preparing for the new season because otherwise Scott Parker's Bournemouth are going to do better than us. And that's the one thing that I'm sure Shad Khan would hate more than anything, as he says, <laughs> onwards, right? Onwards. <laughs> yeah, onwards. I, I mean, another one to throw in there, Jack, as well, that you can be looking over our shoulders is Ishmael at West Brom because I think that was a realistic option for Fulham to get really yes not a an ex-manager of Fulham but definitely one that I think had Fulham got themselves sorted sooner I imagine we'd have been fighting for Ishmael and I know that um certainly a lot of the chaps in the Fulhamish group really wanted Ishmael and I, I'd have been fairly happy with Ishmael I don't know if I'd have been absolutely over the moon um with him It'd be interesting to see how he gets on um at West Brom but for me Peter I didn't want Parker to go. I, I made no bones about that last season. I thought that Fulham's best opportunity of going back up to the Premier League next season was with Parker and, and purely better the devil you know. But here we are, he's gone. And without wanting to say good riddance, I'm just quite glad it's sorted. I think this is an opportunity now. Parker had his faults, particularly a lack of an attacking plan, any kind of attacking plan. And... I'd like to see a slightly more experienced coach that really knows how to build an attacking team. Maybe not quite as far as the visa. I would like them to maybe have a tad more of a plan at the back and, and also a really robust plan if we do go up. But, you know, it's an opportunity to ha to bring some excitement in. And also, as, as Jack said, a litmus test of the club right now, because it does feel like a bit of a shambles all over, a bit of disarray, director of scouting, where's them? It's it is a test of the club's metal now as to who they can get in. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a really big uh, turning point if you wanted to call it that um, in terms of direction and and where Fulham want to go. I think there is a there's an acute awareness that Fulham have to get this right. There's an acute awareness that there's unhappiness about all of this. And as as Jack outlined, the longer this goes on, the worse that gets. Especially now that there's a, a clear vacancy. I'm, I'm sure they would have wanted someone in place, but that hasn't happened. Uh, for, it is difficult at the moment. You only have to look at the sort of farcical scenes in the Premier League at the moment in terms of Tottenham and Palace trying to to, to recruit managers. Um, it's all been very, very odd, but they have to get it right and have to get it right quickly. I do I do agree with you. Um, I think, I, I, I know I've, I've been a long time supporter of Scott Parker. I think he's a good coach. I think he will do well at Bournemouth. Um I mean, just going back to Jack's point about uh, what, what he's taking on at Bournemouth, that's going to be a big challenge for him. Um, you know, Bournemouth are in the second year of their parachute payments. They're a club that don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the sponsorship. They don't have the stadium by which to supplement their, their income. 
they will probably lose David Brooks. They will probably lose Arnott Danjuma as well. Um, so he's got a bit of a reset job to do there. Now, I think from Bournemouth's perspective, they looked at him and got and went, you know, he's the kind of manager we want for a reset. And it's interesting that in his Bournemouth interview, he then talked about wanting to build a team. And building a team is seemingly something that he wanted to do at Fulham, but realised that wasn't possible. And then that comes back to the disconnect between what Parker was seeing and what what Fulham were seeing. Fulham want to use the players they've got on the books, players that have secured promotion. Some of those players, my understanding is, have been are quite unhappy with the way they've been sidelined because they were quite, you know, brutally sidelined. Um, there were players that came in, of course. I mean, the first game of the season, it was all about trying to maintain that stability, give those players a chance. Quickly became clear that that wasn't going to work. Uh, and those relationships, I think, were in a difficult position. And I think from Parker's perspective, he's probably looked at that and gone, actually, this is going to be hard for me to to, to build a team. And, and if, if, if Fulham weren't going to do a wholesale uh, restructuring, which has been one of the big criticisms of Fulham and actually one that Parker himself has levelled at Fulham, then how, how does that sort of progress? How does that move forward? So I, there's been a lot of criticism of Scott Parker, I think, and, and a lot of it's very, very fair, particularly about style of play. Then, what is it, less than 10 goals at home in the Premier League, um, it's it's a difficult one because Fulham were so close and if they didn't I mean we've talked about it endlessly so I'm not going to go over the season um, you know a couple of those results Villa whatever Leeds uh, Wolves they swing the other way we're, we're, we're in a different picture um, but at the same time as you say it does give the opportunity now for someone to come in with a with a different style of play who can actually rebuild that buy-in for some of those players who probably felt excluded the biggest one of course is Alexandra Mitrovic you know, I, I still think he wants to go. So whoever comes in has got to try and persuade him to stay. That's that's going to be massive. Um, and if not, then Fulham have to have someone ready ready to go. And all of these, the fact is that there isn't a manager in place. The fact that the clock is ticking is, you know, it, it's counting against Fulham. And this is a really, really important period now. Um, but yeah, but just just on Parker, I think I think he's a good coach. I think with the right setup. And I think... I, I don't get the feeling, and this is my opinion, and I know people are going to disagree. I don't get the feeling he was able, he's had a squad that he would himself have wanted to fit the way he'd want to play. Um, now, whether he gets the opportunity at Bournemouth, as Jack says, will they invest? There's FFP limits in the championship, as as we know, are very tight, uh, and they'll be very tight for Bournemouth. Um, whether he's able to do that there, time will tell. Um, but if, if Fulham can get a manager in who will get Mitrovic's buy and who can then build a team around that structure, get those players who have won promotion before, it's a really strong squad. It's a really good ticket. It's a really good option for a manager. And I know there's concerns about the structure and whatever else, but Fulham have got a really good squad. Their ownership will, will back the manager and they want to go back into the Premier League. First year parachute payments, clear favourites in a division where financially clubs are really, really struggling. It's also so, it's a relatively weak division this year, I think. Exactly. It's much more stress-fied um, in terms of who can compete. I think when you look at the clubs that came down, probably throw Bournemouth in there, those are the ones that are looking at automatics. You, maybe someone comes out of the blue, but in terms of resources, yeah, it's hard I, to I'm see a bit it. concerned about QPR, who I think are now incredibly well-run. I'm not sure about a feel about that, considering they've spent the last 10 years in chaos. <laughs> Yeah, there there is there's there's a real chaos situation, isn't there, next year if um, if they do well and we don't. But um, let's try not to dwell on that too much. Um five bookies favourites for the job, Jack. Um you've got Javi Pereira, Slavin Bilic, Neil Lennon, Steve Cooper, Chris Wilder in some a weird reverse order of favouritism that I've just chosen there. Um who is 
your pick out of that bunch and presumably you will have someone outside of that bunch who i imagine used to like doing celebrations as a little airplane yeah yeah i mean the the montella thing still sticks out to me i think that he's he's the bet um he's the bet i would bet on right now um of that bunch uh, i i i will say that i'm not wildly enthused by any of them but i'm equally not hugely like anti any of them either like I'm I'm not convinced by Neil Lennon. I say that as someone who has you know relative soft spot for Celtic and 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 loved Neil Lennon as a player. I thought his first stint in charge of Celtic was really really impressive. His second, obviously less so. Um, I, I'm just not hugely convinced. I actually think of that lot. Heavy Pereira probably makes the most sense in terms of what you were saying earlier about trying to reinstall an atta- attacking identity. Everyone I spoke to around the club years back said that Javi was the mastermind behind what Slav was trying to do, right? That, that, that Javi was the tactician, whereas Stavisa was the kind of, you know, brain, the, the kind of face of the operation, Javi was the brain. Now, whether you can get that across or not is a different question. And the fact that his, his side are currently bottom of the Chinese Super League is probably not a great indication of, uh, of world-class ability, but then that, that is also a bit of a strange league to base your kind of prerogatives on. Um, here's a couple. I was, I was really upset to see Oscar Garcia go to Rhyme recently because I, I thought he would have been a nice little bet. Um, you know, obviously a kind of Cruyff disciple, loves a 4-3-3, um, will stick to his principles a, bit, a little bit like Slav. Um, but but it was just sort of looking at available coaches and wondering who you might be able to to kind of pull in. Montella, obviously, as I said, is the, is the one that sticks out for me. He, he's the coach that I think, yeah, absolutely. If you can do it, go and do it. Um, but Marco Silva's still kicking about um, and obviously hasn't had a job since sort of start of 2020 um i'm still convinced that marco silva might be an all right manager um and 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 he's someone that i probably wouldn't be too far away from from gambling on um aside from that i think can you go big can you get like a an avb could you get an andre vs boas in is is that too is this too small a job for him you know he said he's only got five or six years left at club level um, could you convince AVB to give it a punt? Maybe. And, and then I suppose the the question is, do you want someone now who's going to be a name, who's going to pull it in, or do you want do you gamble on someone who might be able to make a difference? And someone that, that sticks out to me is Francisco Garcia Pimienta, um, who was the manager of Barcelona's B team. He was sort of part of that La Masia setup, who kind of came through there and and, and did good things with the B team and. It was only kind of replaced when Kerman's team came in and, and sort of took over the whole operation. Um, but he was doing some nice things there. He's obviously schooled in, in, in the Barcelona style. We've seen coaches come out of there and, and, and be successful before. Um, so I was just interested if someone like that might be able to, to come in and do a job. Um, but yeah, if you were to give me the reins right now and tell me to pick someone, I would pick Vincenzo Montella. The thing is, is are any of those coaches willing to come into Fulham in the setup that we've got, yes, we've got a probably top three squad in the championship right now. Who knows what will happen by by the end of the summer. We have a director of football who is the other side of the pond, who seems to be on some, some kind of Twitter exile right now. We have no idea what his involvement with the club is other than organizing wrestling matches. It's all a little bit of a shower of shite, it seems like, from the outside and... It's, it doesn't feel like the most appealing. That's why if someone like Javi Pereira seems like a fairly obvious option, because at least he would know what he's 
getting into. I just yeah. can't see one of those top tier managers that you mentioned wanting to jump in for that. I, I, the only thing is that I would, would highlight that, you know, a lot of these managers have, have worked in, 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 in France, Spain and Germany. It's very common for a manager to be a coach. Like across the continent, it's only here really where the managers are, I'm in charge of everything. You know, you go to Germany and pretty much all transfers are managed by the director of football. I'm not saying that that makes Fulham a good case or a bad case. I'm just pointing out that a lot of these managers will have worked under a director of football before. Are are those directors of football, though, actively at the football club? No, look, that's almost certainly right. And and, and I'm not not defending this at all. What I'm saying is that if someone's like, oh, you you know, they'd never come in because they have no no stay in the recruitment structure or something like that. They'll be like, well, yeah, obviously, you know, if you go to Germany, almost no managers sign players that they want. They get given players by their director of football and clubs have long-term strategies where Fulham are falling down for me is that absolute lack of a long-term strategy there doesn't seem to be a, a buy-in to a philosophy that that ticks these boxes uh, and and therefore having a director of football doesn't really make sense so you look at Spurs right they've just appointed Paratici from from Juventus or Inter to make sure that they have a strategy going forward no matter who's in charge. That's meant to be the role of a director of football. It's meant to be like whoever comes in, they fit into the club ethos, they fit into the club strategy, and that's how clubs become successful. Now, Fulham's failings in this department are that that strategy doesn't exist. That strategy is is up in the air. It changes every 10 minutes based on who's available in the market and based on what manager we have. And that leaves people with a problem, and it leaves problems which Scott Parker alluded to before he left in that we have this turnover of squad that allows us basically to return to an old squad back in the championship that he had he, you know he said I don't want to do that again because it involves a complete rebuild next time we get to the Premier League if we get there and and that leaves Fulham in a, in a tricky position but the problem isn't having a director of football the problem is is not having a strategy set out by that director of football. Yeah, no, I agree with Jack. And I think it's interesting just looking at the names. You know, Steve Cooper's been na- mentioned a lot, but I think in terms of what he would be good at, especially considering his track record with the England youth teams and work he's done at Swansea, would be taking advantage of Fulham's academy, which is one of those things that it is suffering because of this lack of strategy. It makes it harder. It's, it's difficult for the younger players to know what they're going into. Obviously, there's another change of manager and I spoke about before. If Parker goes, it becomes more difficult because they Parker knows the players. It's easier to see where, who you need to impress, where you stand. They're all up in the air. I mean, there's still contracts up in the air. So having having a manager who you know is invested in that regard is, is important because otherwise it becomes difficult to justify what is a very expensive investment in the academy. Um and, you know, we, we've seen the talent that's been brought through. Fabio Carvalho, the most recent example. Um, making sure that Fulham are, are utilising that is, I think, is important. And that comes into a longer term strategy, which is above above the head coach. But just to round off on some of the name, it's, there are a finite number of jobs in football management, particularly in English football. Getting a job that's pretty much a very surefire way without without belittling the championship, Fulham are very well equipped to go back up, regardless of, of, of director of football, everything. It's a very good job to have if you're a manager who wants to get into the Premier League and, and go from and like and build from there. So I don't think in terms of a of appeal, it's as big a deterrent as everyone probably fears. It does doesn't look great at the moment. There's no director of scouting in place. They are speaking to candidates. I know they've spoken to candidates. I don't know when that will be appointed, but he's not in place at the moment. Um there, there is this question about Tony Khan's involvement. But at the same time, this is a good job. So it's got an owner who's who's proactive. Um, Khan's position itself, Tony Khan's position, actually indicates that. 
there's there's a backing there there's first year parachute payments it's a good squad as well so it's an appealing position um but they've got to get someone in quickly as, we, as we've already said because the longer you leave it the harder it is for the buying and then also we end up with the same transfer situation and again we're back to square one in terms of long-term strategy yeah indeed all right we're going to take a quick break afterwards we've got a load of your questions Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy James here, and I'm joined by Peter Rutzler. Hello. And Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Sporting a wonderful Spain shirt this morning, Mr. Jack Collins. Um, Let's go on to some of the questions then that have been coming through. Um, We asked, we said, we said we were breaking that emergency podcast glass last night and uh, you guys did not disappoint. You can tell that there's been no podcast for a month. You've been chomping at the bit to send in some questions. So we're going to start with uh, Colin McNabola says, will we turn into a Spurs where we chase loads of managers and all of them turn turn us down because they don't want to work for a director of football who specialises in a different area? Levy in accounting slash finance and Tony Khan with wrestling. Um, I guess we did kind of just half answer this, Jack, but um, yeah. but your thoughts? Could you, could you see a situation where we are just going after manager after manager after manager a la Spurs? Yeah, but also like <laughs> one... Levy isn't the director of football at Spurs, Parachi is. He's been appointed as the director of football in order to basically get Daniel Levy to step further away from the club. Fulham are appointing a director of scouting. Now, what that means for for Tony Khan's role, we, we don't know completely. There have been rumours and whatever, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like you know that is going to be quite as hands-on as it is uh, from from everything I'm, you know, everything I'm feeling. That is that is very much a gut. Uh, a gut feeling, but that's how it, that's how it feels. Um, and, and I look at that and think, okay, well, is that, is that going to be a problem? Look, if, if Spurs can't attract a manager, it's, I think because they're being tight and I, and I, and I mean that, you know, very literally Daniel Levy is an incredibly shrewd businessman, right? He's a very good businessman, but he doesn't like spending money. And the fact that, you know, the reason he, he appears to have turned Nuno down is because he wanted to bring 10 backroom staff. And he was like, well, I'm not buying 10 backroom staff. I, I'm not I'm not doing it. The reason that Fonseca fell through for Spurs was because he wanted to have his tax, the tax difference paid by the club. And they were like, well, no, we're obviously not doing that. It, you know, that comes down to money. I don't think Fulham will have that same problem. You know, Shard Khan has, has, has made mistakes, plenty of mistakes in his time at Fulham. But one of them hasn't really been not spending enough money. And I don't think that's going to be an issue. And I really do think that's the main problem at Spurs. Peter, Elizabeth asks, uh, firstly, she says, missed you guys. Thanks, Elizabeth. Uh, secondly goes, does this mean we keep Mitrovic? He was noticeably absent from training photos, I think. And if yes, is it worth the trade-off? It's a good question. Uh, as I sort of mentioned earlier, I still think he wants to go. And you know, that it will come down to whether the new manager comes in and can persuade him to stay. There are lots of other factors. Fulham, as, as, as Isabel Barker broke, you know, they rejected a bid for £16 million for Mitrovic uh, from Dynamo Moscow. So there is the financial side of, if he were to go, can a deal be struck? Um, but yeah, as I say, it comes down to whether the new manager can 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 win him over, really. Um, like nothing's set in stone at this point. Everyone starts positioning. No one's moving in the market, as you've seen. I mean, anywhere really, there's been nothing. So um, we'll see, I think. I think the fact that Parker is gone change, naturally changes things. I mean, I don't. if Parker was still in charge, I, I can't see Mitrovic staying. 
I uh, couldn't, couldn't see Mitrovic staying, but um, but now that he's gone, we'll, we'll see, but it will come down to whether the new manager can, can win him over. Um, Sean asks, Jack, why do some of our fans make out Parker with some sort of managerial genius? Nine home goals, five wins out of 38 and two points in the last 10 games. Baffling to see him referred um, as a Fulham player legend. Um, failure in both roles. Uh, small dig at our very own Drew Heatley there yesterday. I can't say that I think that Scott Parker is in the legend category. I'm sorry, Drew. It was a well-reasoned arg- argument. And look, that's why we like having the differing opinions on the Fulhamish website. He's not a legend for me. If he's a legend for you, then fair enough. Um, your opinions, Jack? Yeah, uh, not for me. Um, and and I think at the moment, every you know, emotions are high, aren't they? Given the situation has just turned out, and it's probably not the not the moment to be to be kind of trying to work that out and which category it is in. But uh, you know, look, I, th- I think this is a fair question. And I think you know, we we, we said that the Scott Parker, <sighs> it felt a lot like nearly last season, didn't it? You know, we were we were nearly competing, we were nearly there, but we just never were. And and that's probably important, right? It, it felt like, and, and and this is why I think Parker probably gets a little bit more credit in the managerial tank than perhaps those results would suggest he does because it felt like Fulham were competitive for, for long periods last season. You know, there wasn't games that Fulham walked into that we were like, there's absolutely no chance we're getting anything out of this. Maybe City aside, uh, you know, and, and, and look, big result, the first ever win, or Merseyside, first win at Anfield in, well, almost forever. You know, it, it, these were huge results and the, and the playoff final. And I think they are the results that stick in people's heads when they will come to look at last season, especially because we weren't there. And, and, and maybe, you know, if we were there week in, week out, watching Fulham lose and lose and lose and lose, the, the, the movement would be a little bit different. But because we weren't able to be there and express our emotions and all of the above, maybe it felt a little bit different in terms of how Fulham actually were last year and maybe there's that kind of hope that was like oh it's been knocked out of us again at the last minute oh we've conceded in the 93rd minute again oh we've thrown away a lead we've thrown away an opportunity so I agree with you I think that to, to put Parker even right now in like a good manager category is a stretch I think he will get there I think he will get there but I don't think he's there yet um, and and I do think that when we w- what we'll see now at Bournemouth is whether that comes out in the wash is whether it was Fulham holding Parker back with a squad that he didn't like and didn't want, or if it was Scott Parker's inability to make a squad work for him. Now I, I think it's probably a little bit of both from from where I'm sitting. Um, but yeah, I, I very much would not be putting him in anywhere near a genius field. Um, I, I probably wouldn't be putting him even in the good field for for right now. Peter, Alfie asks, thoughts on the player responses to the exit? Uh, Joe Bryan and Michael Hector, to name a couple, Instagrammed almost immediately. Uh, are these frustrated players with a sly dig? They just posted oh, were... training pics, mate. It wasn't like a... Yeah, I don't think anyone said anything. No, nobody has. Like, nobody... Um... Back I guess that it's not what they said though. It, it was I like Joe Bryan's maybe being a bit cryptic here, but it's like... Um... Joe Bryan Instagrammed and we are back in business. And that was done, I mean, minutes after Parker left. I know Joe Bryan. I'm not trying to like put him in trouble here, but he is the kind of player who probably might have had a glass of rosé last night. Yeah, I mean, as I said, there are players in that squad who aren't happy about last season and the way they were sidelined. Um, and I think, you know, it has been quiet since it's happened. I think 
for one, it's taken so long. They, I mean, goodbyes could have happened about a month ago, really. But um, it's there are players in that squad who will be happy that Scott Parker's gone and will be happy that they've got another chance now under a new head coach, whoever that will be. Um, a clean slate. I mean, you've got players coming back from who've been loaned out as well. Good players too, like Stephanie Hansen and uh, Neskins Cabano, who did a good job at, at Borough. So, yeah, I think it's not particularly surprising that we haven't seen an outpouring. Um, it's, it also doesn't help Scott Parker that half the players were were loanees and have all left anyway. So, um, but yeah, it's not it's not exactly been uh, there haven't been gushing responses since it, since he left. And I don't, I to be honest, I think considering the mood among the fan base, there's also that to consider. And I, I don't think I've, everyone is particularly content about how this is all sort of unfolded. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, uh, thank you very much for your questions. I'm sure we'll get to a lot more of them uh, between now and August. We'll be back in a second. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the pod, um, do check out uh, Peter's long read that came out yesterday, all about Scott Parker's Fulham exit. Uh, talks about kind of the tension with the board, Scott Parker wanting uh, extra power. Um, and as we mentioned in the last part, how some players will not miss him. And uh, there's a big job uh, to come at Fulham this summer, theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. And obviously now we've, Hopefully we'll get a manager soon. Transfer season, SZN, uh, is very much round the corner and I'm sure Peter will be your go-to source for all the latest transfer rumours and analysis. So get The Athletic, theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. It is an investment you will not regret this summer. Okay, uh, final couple of questions. Uh, Steph Bond asks, who do we fancy for the Euros? Uh, Jack Collins. Italy. We're all Italy, aren't we? He says it's well, we're, we're not. We're not. He sat here <laughs> sat in an England shirt. We're not all Italy, are we? I, I love this. Mancini slick, sexy, swashbuckling Azuri side. Um, it, it, it's literally so great. They're, they're so much fun to watch. They're like the exact opposite of England. They're so fun to watch. They are. They, they go out every game and try and win about 4-0. Like, they play with five up front a lot of the time. They play Spinazzola as a left winger. They play Insigne coming inside him. Immobile plays through the middle and then and then you kind of have this kind of mad Barella playing left forward and then Chiesa or Berardi out on the right. It is unbelievable fun. Um, Spain are fun too. So yeah, Italy or Spain for me. It's the Catholic connection, isn't it? It is the Catholic connection, yeah. You know, my... my, my it's my, the red-blooded attacking football. It's not how you win tournaments, Jack, is it? No, it's not how you win tournaments, but my God, it's fun. <laughs> uh, Pisa what have you made of the Euros so far um, I imagine you've been kind of keeping across it without having to like delve into it I imagine quite a nice position for, for you to be in as opposed to club football where you kind of I guess you're so engrossed with everything Fulham yeah no it's been good I mean I was a bit annoyed yesterday that club matters overshadowed the two best games of the tournament so oh, far oh bloody hell the timing Outrageous. was horrific absolute disgrace um but yeah, no, I've, I've, I've enjoying it. I, I agree with Jack about Italy. They've been really enjoyable to watch. Really, uh, Mancini's got them playing such a, a lovely style of play. I actually really like Spain as well. I, I feel like if Almo, uh, Almo, Alvaro Morata could uh, could finish his dinner a little bit better, he'd, uh, you'd have a very, very solid, solid outfit there. And um, there's certainly a, t- a team that's done well. I've, I've enjoyed how Denmark have responded. You know, they, they would sort of, 
outside tips for as dark horses and they've got that really solid spine and they've they've really come together after everything that's happened with with Christian Eriksen so they've been really really good to watch um in terms of like winner I really think Belgium could do it I mean the only the only concern now is Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard picking up injuries it depends how serious they are but they they're so overdue I mean if they if they go through that golden generation without winning anything I mean that's 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 going to be one hell of a regret. I mean there's one thing England having golden generations but for a small country like Belgium and that squad it's just all at the same time. You know this it's almost now or never and with with France out I mean in terms of squad they're probably the strongest bar England maybe. Um yeah, strong I think they're stronger than England on their day Belgium. Yeah in mid- midfield's probably the the big difference there. So yeah I mean I mean if England England should get past Germany when is this podcast going out today? It's going out today but okay, probably fine. by the time we're listening we'll know whether it's coming home or we're staying at home let's be honest. So well, England should get past Germany who you know haven't have been out of sorts for a little while it so It depends if Germany played like they played against Portugal or play like they played in the other two games where they were well, absolutely exactly. dog. Um but they were just really good for one game against Portugal. The the record currently goes Really bad, good, really bad, blank. So we shall see. We shall see. But people are listening to this thinking we're idiots because we're talking about this game. and We currently have no idea, but you will know probably what has happened by the time that you listen to this podcast. I'm, I'm off to Wembley today. I'm incredibly excited. I've got my 2002 England shirt on and I'm buzzing. I'm, I'm buzzing. Man. I can't lie. I hope you I have a wonderful lie. day, Sammy. Thanks, Jack. Where are you watching it? How... I'm watching it at home. I'm, Who I'm, are you I'm, I'm working. Look, I have no, I have no ties to Germany. Um, I'll be pleased for you if you win. Um, oh. It's it, uh, look, that's it. It's um, it is kind of half written though. Imagine Jamal Musiala or Timo Werner, isn't it? Like the season Timo Werner's had, like oh, where God. he couldn't finish anything, Werner. and then or Jamal Musiala who just if he'd just been snapped up earlier, would be playing in this England squad. <laughs> like, there's, there's a couple of little narrative storylines that I think we need to keep an eye on. But um, but yeah, no, it's. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day, Sammy. I hope you enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah enjoy it, Sammy. Nice enjoy it. Thank you very much. I do honestly believe, though, the winner comes out of that Belgium-Italy game. But then again, I was saying that France were assuring for the tournament until Switzerland dumped them out. I think this tournament is once again teaching us that you cannot predict uh, knockout football in international tournaments. And uh, it's all the better for it. It's been a fantastic couple of days in the Euros. And, um, well, we've uh, taken a little bit of a side tour with chatting about Scott Parker. I imagine uh, we'll be returning fairly more frequently from now on. Uh, I imagine our next podcast will probably be after the arrival of the new manager uh whoever he may be um Fulham have said that they want to get it announced by the end of the week but um they said that about four weeks ago about Scott Parker so who knows when that will happen uh thank you very much for listening today Peter Rutzler thank you no no thank you Sammy for for dragging me in enjoy it enjoy it and good to have you back for another season of Fulham rising off the athletic I'm buzzing mate borough home let's do it and uh, Jack Collins thank you very much thank you Sammy it's been a real off you go back to international football you can go play you can go play the uh, big kids now again it's been like genuinely I've never been busier I am like it's every single day at it studio it's back in studio back on back on live score it's been great but also incredibly incredibly stressful so um so i've loved it i hope you find a sun lounger on july the 12th um thank you very much for listening today uh we'll see you whenever fulham announce the manager next come on you whites you whites